Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. So much to, it's so good to see you guys and to be up here. Um, I want to thank for all the people that came up to me and said, you know, we're praying for you. I'm assuming that was good. Um, I just really appreciate it, you know. I want to show you a picture that I want, like, emboldened and just in, just in your minds. This is a picture of a friend of mine's son holding a little lamb. I don't ever want you to forget that picture. Because in a lot of ways, you are that lamb. And the arms holding that lamb is Jesus, the arms of Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, uh, every follower of Jesus Christ is a member of the church. And every member of the church is a member of the flock of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's called his flock, the people of my pasture. And that's an Old Testament um, phrase that's used, my people the sheep of my pasture. Over and over again in the Old Testament, it says that. And then Jesus brings it into the New Testament by saying, you know what, I'm actually your shepherd, your good shepherd, and you are my flock, my flock. So it, it describes not only what the responsibilities that Jesus is going to take on himself as your shepherd, but the expectations that he has of each one of us as his flock. And I think we're going to try and learn that as we go through a passage of Scripture that I think teaches that to us. At least it taught it to me. This is really a precious thing in the ministry that God's given me. I just, everything about this touches my heart. Now, I, I, I want to do one thing before we go any further, and that's to kind of take the hallmark image of sheep and put it over here and balance it with the reality of sheep, okay? So I'm just going to talk a little bit about sheep. You know, first of all, everybody know what an apex predator is? You know, like wolves, lions, bears, eagles, you know, it's like they're at the top of the food chain. Everything else looks like a meal to them. That's not sheep. They're not like that at all. I was trying to figure out what they would be called. Maybe they're apex prey. They're at the top of the food chain in that they are at the top of the dinners. But uh, basically, they can't defend themselves. They're defenseless. They can't even bite a, a, a predator. They have one row of teeth on the bottom, and they have kind of a, a bony roof on top, so they pinch. You can imagine going up to a wolf and pinching it. Yeah, probably not a good thing, right? And in fact, you know how we have a, uh, a tendency or a natural instinct of fear and flight or fright and flight? They have a a natural instinct of fright and freeze. So they're not going to run away. They're not going to go, run away, run away. They're not going to turn and fight. They can't. 
unless the shepherd's there to protect them, they basically, you know, are goners. They become lunch. There's something else about them. Uh, sheep are also incapable of finding their way home. I mean, it sounds really funny, but every other animal in, the, in, in God's creation has this ability to smell spores from its home. And no matter how far away it gets, it could go, oh, home's that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm getting closer to home. Sheep don't have that. All right? Unless a sheep sees its surroundings and is familiar with its surroundings, unless they have that ability, they can't find their way home. They are lost. A lost sheep stays lost unless the shepherd goes and finds them and brings them back. Now, if you think that was bad enough, you know, we see sheep as these little white furry things, you know, in fields, and, and they are, okay, but they're that way primarily because the shepherd is around. Sheep are on the dirty end of animal scale, all right? Their wool catches dirt. Bugs love to get in there, and they burrow in there, and they lay their eggs, and it's really bad. In fact, a lot of times the sheep droppings don't make it to the ground because it gets stuck in the wool. They call that dabs. So if someone says dabs, it's not a good thing to you. Um, that makes them basically a walking, breathing Petri dish of disease and infection. Yeah, in some cultures, some nations, they have to dip their sheep in special disinfectants twice a year. Otherwise, you can't own sheep. That's how messy and yucky they are. So unless the shepherd is carrying and cleaning the sheep, they're a mess. They will be infected. They will not only catch disease, they will share disease, and they will die. So when Jesus says, you are the sheep of my flock, what is he saying? There's more to the story, but I'm going to leave it right there. So, what I want you to do is turn in your Bibles or to your Bible app to John chapter 10. And we're going to take this apart. And we're going to find out that this is the chapter where uh, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd and our role as his flock. And hopefully, like I said earlier, we're going to learn not only what Jesus' responsibilities are as our shepherd, but we're going to learn what expectations he has of us as his flock and his sheep. So, let's start. You all there? It'll be up here as well. First thing is that we're going to learn that we have a singular belonging, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and his, he calls, here it is, his own sheep, his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the first thing we want to learn about this whole idea of being the Lord's flock is that the flock of Jesus has a singular belonging. If you follow Jesus, you belong to Jesus. 
Let me say that again. If you follow Jesus, you belong to Jesus. Every member of Jesus' church belongs completely and totally to him. Now, that means if Jesus is your shepherd, there's a sense that you don't belong to the pastor, you don't belong to the church, you don't belong to the denomination, you don't belong to the ministry, and I dare say today you don't belong to a political party. You belong to Jesus, completely to Jesus. That means in a sense you don't belong to your spouse, your children don't really belong to you, you don't belong to them, you don't belong to your family. You belong to Jesus. Singularly, you belong to him. That also means if Jesus is your shepherd and you belong to his flock, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. It's important to, to let that seep in, okay? How did this happen? Well, here's another verse that I think really helps show us and teases this out for us so that we could understand it a little better. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and it's a verse that some of us may know, or maybe all of us. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have from God, and that, here it is, you ready? You are not your own. Why? Why? For you have been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It was the price for redemption. It was the price of your ransom. It was the price of your forgiveness. It was the price of your reconciliation to the Father. What was the price? What was the price? I mean, know what the price was? Christ's death. Christ's death. Yeah. That was the price for you to be his sheep, for him to be our good shepherd. And here's another thing. I just, this blew me away. And I was looking at John 6, verse 37. It's another tidbit in this. It says, all who the Father gives me, Jesus said, will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Do you realize that if you belong to the church, if you're in his flock, it's because, are you ready for this? God said, I choose you to be a gift from me to my son. You were gifts. You know how that happened? Jesus paid the price. He paid the price to own you for you to belong to him, for you to be his and no one else. And not only that, but this verse is amazing because it says that once you're in Jesus' flock, you're always in Jesus' flock. I mean, I know me. I'm always willing to get lost. And I know Jesus. He's always willing to grab me by whatever end is available and pull me back. He doesn't want to leave me lost. You know, no one's going to come and snatch me away. Someone reaches out to grab me with some gnarly demonic hand. He's going to slap it right away. It's not going to happen. 
And I can't even decide one day, you know, I'm done with the flock. Because Jesus says, listen, if you're faithless, I will remain faithful. Now you get in the picture? It's a good thing to belong only to Jesus. What a great hope. What a great thing that we have. So here's the question. Do you belong to Jesus? And this question's got two caveats to it. One is, do you know him? Okay. I mean, like, do you know him as your Savior? All right. The second part of this is, do you act like you belong belong to him? That's the one that gets me. I mean, I know I belong to the Lord. But there's plenty of times when I just don't act like it. I just, I, call me stupid. Call me a dumb lamb. But there's plenty of opportunity for me to grow in belonging. How about you? I want you to think about that as we continue going on. So there's a singular belonging, but there's also a singular obedience in this passage. So let's read from verse 4. And when he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because, here it is, they know his voice. They know his voice. A stranger, look at that, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because, well, they don't know his voice. They don't know the voice of strangers. Second thing we need to know is that the flock of Jesus has a singular obedience. A singular obedience. We don't obey anybody else. We don't obey any. We don't have to obey anybody else. When you become part of Jesus' flock, a miracle happens. And in that miracle, you're given the ability to hear the voice of Jesus and to obey it and to listen to it and say, that's my shepherd. He's talking to me. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to obey that. I mean, that's a miracle for us. And, and you know, sheep are really interesting. <laughs> I mean, sheep aren't the sharpest tool in the shepherd's toolbox, okay? But one of the things that they do, and they do really well, is they know the voice of their shepherd. And they are all in to follow the shepherd. Why? Well, shepherd's there all the time. Shepherd feeds them. Shepherd gets them in the water. Shepherd protects them. Shepherd talks to them when they're nervous. Shepherd's there all the time. They know where their bread is buttered, and they follow that shepherd. The same thing should be for you and I. We need to not only hear his voice, but we prove, in a sense, that we hear his voice by obeying it, just doing what he says. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I want to tell you about a a listening game that Candy and I used to do with the, 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 the youth group that we had back in the day when we could handle a youth group. Um... Now we can't even handle a seniors group. I don't know, man. It's like, but um, so we had this listening game, <clears throat> and we'd divide the kids into like two or three different teams, and each team would pick a listener, and it was also a collector. So it was a listener person who was a collector, and then there was a person each team would pick, and they would they would get this person who was the guide, and what that guide would do is it would give the listener directions. 
But all the listeners and the collectors were blindfolded because they didn't walk by sight, they walked by faith, right? So they had to walk by faith and believing who was ever talking to them to do their thing. So they would, we'd have these things put out, like five or six things put out in, the, in the, the church pews and stuff like that. And the listeners and the collectors had to go get all five of them. The first one that got them all was the winner. And the only way they could find these five things was that we took all the kids up in the balcony of our church and the, the, the guides could go left, right, back, forward, stop, bend over, pick up, you know, and that's all they could say, those one word things, you know. And of course, the kids got into it, so there's cheering, hey, yeah, go, go, you know, so while this one's going left, this one's going right, and this one's going stop, and, and it was chaos. It was a great way to spend about 20, 30 minutes of a youth group, you know, and have them all kind of chaotically in control. But when it was all done, somebody always won. And I'd say to them, how did you win? And they would say, well, somewhere along the way, I got used to listening to the voice that was my voice. And for some reason, it got easier and easier. In fact, I didn't even hear the other voices. And I would say, or Candy would say something, did you just hear what you said? What you just said is exactly what should be true of you and I because we get used to hearing the voice of our shepherd. And all the other noise is gone. We don't have to pay attention to it. So how, how do we hear and obey the voice of Jesus? Because <clears throat> there's a lot of competing voices out there. In fact, I, I just want to ask another question. I want you to put this and salt this away. What are some of the competing voices in your life? I have been trying to listen to Jesus for almost 50 years now. And I know that there are competing voices. In fact, one of the competing voices that I have that's probably the worst and the hardest to get away from is right in here. It's my own voice. I don't know. But here, here's, here's something. Here's a, a possible way that you could, you know, Train yourself to hear. <clears throat> so what did Jesus say? I mean, what are his basic things he said? <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, here's four basic things. And this is not all of them, but some of them. He said, follow. He said, abide. He said, bear much fruit. And he said, disciple. <clears throat> okay, four things. First one, follow. Actually, he says, pick up your cross and follow. You know what that basically means? It means, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to stop going my way with the things I want to do, and I'm going to start going your way, the things that you want me to do. It's just saying no to my will and my way, and yes to the will and way of Jesus. Abide. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you know what that means? That means stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to his word. You know, it's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. The third thing, I love this because it's challenging. It doesn't say bear fruit. What does it say? Much fruit. Whoa. Okay, so here's, here's my bar. <laughs> bear fruit. Here's Jesus' bar. Bear much fruit. Much fruit. What does that mean? You know what that means? That's obedience. At least that's what I think it means. It means letting what you know about Jesus begin to impact 
who you are and what you do so that you're more like him in him than you used to be like yourself without him. Okay, so the fruit of Jesus is beginning to grow in me so that who I am internally and what I do externally is more like him. That's the fruit. That's bearing more and more fruit, much fruit. And then the final thing, disciple, is like one of the easiest ones, really. And it's just teach someone what you know. Teach someone what you know. There's a third thing. There's a, I'm sorry, there's a fifth thing on there I didn't put there. But I want you to hear this. The fifth thing he tells every one of his flock, I love you. 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 Over and over again, I love you. That fuels our desire to be like him, to, to listen to him. So anything, anything that tries to inhibit the four or five things that we know that Jesus said to us, or to prevent them, that's a voice you don't want to listen to. But anything that encourages this, anything that says, listen, I know you feel this way, but Jesus loves you. I know you don't want to get out there and like, you know, be Jesus to someone today. But I want to show you someone who needs to know the hope that you have in me because they need that hope too. You see, the bottom line is that we're not reservoirs of God's truth. We're pipelines of God's truth. Okay, so we don't like hold it to ourselves. We, we like take it and give it to someone else. So, Jesus is not only our singular belonging, we belong to him, he's also a, a source of our singular obedience. We obey him. But there's more. It's like a Jinsu knife commercial. There's more. Um, verse 7. So Jesus uh, said to them again, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I'm the door. And if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everyone who is a part of the flock of Jesus, every one of you who calls yourself a sheep, we have a singular refuge. We have just one place we need to go to be safe. And it's Jesus. So let me unpack visually what Jesus is talking about here because I'm guessing how many people grew up on a shepherd farm, a sheep farm? How many people grew up in a city? That's it? Where else did you guys grow up? <laughs> no, suburbs, yeah, suburbs in that city. All right, take a look at this picture. So here's a sheepfold, okay? And, you know, some of them are made out of rocks. They're usually big, round things. You notice how the rocks on top are kind of pointy and jagged and stuff like that? That's because they don't want people going over them to snatch up and steal sheep, right? And every sheepfold has one opening that's about the size of a sheep or two sheep, maybe. Do you notice what's missing on this protective area? A gate. There's no door. There's no gate. You know why? Because that's where the shepherd puts himself. When the sheep go in there, he just sits there. And any sheep that wants to go out, it's got to go past him. 
And any threat that wants to get in, it's got to go past him. And in fact, at night, you know what the shepherd does? Cozies up a little bit of grass. Maybe he's got a pillow. And he goes to sleep in that opening. Because nothing is going to get at his sheep. I got to tell you, folks, that's exactly what Jesus does. If you're in a church, if you're one of his sheep, he will put himself between you and anything that threatens you. Anything that threatens you. I, I was just listening to a sermon by uh, Crawford the Ritz, and, and he, in this sermon, all of a sudden he goes, uh, if you think you've ever taken care of yourself in your life, you're wrong. In fact, I know. Oh, man, you blew it for me. Okay, it's okay. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Never taking care of ourselves. So I was going to say, do you want to know what this looks like? It looks like that. Okay, now do it again. Oh, that's the wrong slide. This is what it looks like. Okay. <laughs> By the way, did you? I'll, I'll talk about that later. This is what I think it looks like. This is a mosaic from a church in Eastern Europe. And it has a picture of Jesus Christ between an ace predator and a sheep. And you notice the sheep's been wounded. But you notice that the shepherd's willing to give up his life for that sheep. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but that blows me away. So there are, there are threats outside of the sheepfold that Jesus protects us all from. The big one is death. He has protected us from death. I mean, yeah, I'm going to die, probably, unless there's a rapture, you know, and I, we all go up together, which would be okay with me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like Woody Allen said, what was it? I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. So, um, there are threats out there. Satan and the world want to do the three things that are in here. They want to uh, steal. They want to kill and they want to destroy. You know what they want to steal? They want to steal your joy. They want you to think that your faith is not worth it. That's what the Satan and the world want us to happen. And, and you, you know what else? They, they, they want to, uh, to kill. They want to actually kill your faith. They want to just remove it. They want to make it nothing. And you know what else they wanted to do? If they can't steal your joy, if they can't kill your faith, they want to destroy your witness. They want to get you into a place where you would look like a hypocrite for proclaiming the name of Jesus and living some wrong way. And, and there's, there's actually threats inside the sheepfold too. Okay? And that would be like inside our church right here. Or inside the whole body of Christ. And, and they're, they're there to like steal and to kill and destroy as well. Legalism steals the joy of people. You know, if you don't dress a certain way, you don't read the Bible so often, you don't do your prayers... And if you were really a Christian, you would do this, that, or the other thing. How oppressive is that? When Jesus just says, 
Just react to my love. Wherever you're at, I'm going to move you closer to who I am. Because I love you. The other one is liberal antinomianism. I can't believe I said that. You know, where, yeah, I know, wow. Yeah, which is basically, you know what? It's all about grace. I don't have to worry about what I do, what I don't do. I, I can live the way I want to. Jesus died for me. I'm good. That, that steals away who you are as a Christian as well. It has nothing to do that looks like Jesus. You know, the busyness kills your first love relationship. You get so busy, you know, with ministry, you know, that you're running around doing things and you're like, you forget that, well, it's about loving Jesus. Or, or, or maybe you, you get into something and you're like, gosh, you know, it's so cool. I did this. People are going to really love me. Well, they may really appreciate it. They may really love you. But that's not what it's about. It's about loving Jesus. You do it because you love Jesus. And, and he's your first love. And this is one that I think that is probably most destructive inside the church. Jesus had to die for this so many times. <laughs> I don't know how they said that incorrectly, so don't listen to that theology. This was a sin he had to die for that repeats itself over and over again. And it's the lack of forgiveness. In the church, it's horrible. You know, you have person A who gets in a tiff with person B, and then all of a sudden, person C comes along. They like person A, so they're not going to talk to person B either. And then person D comes along, and they like person B, and they know that a person A and person C are not talking. And so they go, well, I'm not going to talk to them either. And pretty soon, this infection that's like a disease in the flock begins to spread throughout a whole church, and the church is separated. There's families like this. I can't tell you how many families I'm praying for where kids won't talk to parents Adult kids won't talk to parents. They never see their grandkids. You know, I don't know where the fault is or where the forgiveness needs to be, but Jesus died for you. He died to, be your, to show you how to forgive. And if we do not allow for forgiveness and grace to work through our lives to the people who have hurt and harmed us, what are you thinking? I know this is in this church. It grieves my heart. I pray for it all the time. Jesus is our refuge. Run to Jesus with this threat. Let him deal with it. Thanks for listening to that. That's been really hard on my heart. Let me tell you... Um, Another illustration about running to Jesus as a refuge, and it's a good one. Um, our small group is amazing. I have to tell you, we've been gathering together for about six years now. We are so bad at studying the Bible, you can't believe it. I mean, <laughs> it's like, what did you say? I, I don't know. We started off pretty good, you know. Um, we're really good at eating together. And, and, in fact, we always have bacon on the menu, so we call ourselves the Bacon Crisps. Um, but over the last six years, there have been hundreds of prayer requests that we've sent out to each other. I mean, deep, deep, painful, personal, vulnerable, intimate things. 
that you would never share with another person. And I'm not saying that our small group's a mess compared to your mess, okay? But we've realized somehow or other that our one refuge is Jesus. And because of that, we've not only had dozens and dozens of prayers every year, and like I said, maybe a hundred prayer requests. I mean, like, for kids, for marriages, for neighbors, for family, for people at work, for cancer, for, you know, I mean, it's been everything. We have seen hundreds of answers. (laughs) Jesus cares. He keeps showing us over and over again how much he loves us because he keeps showing us over and over again that he has decided that his place in our life is between us and whatever threatens us. And he loves us. And that's the way he shows in one way his love for us, his tremendous love for us. Did you get that? So, singular belonging, singular obedience, a singular refuge, and there's one more, singular Savior. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because the hired hand, he's a hired hand, and he's not concerned about the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus would rather die than not have a relationship with you. Jesus would rather die than not have the privilege of being your shepherd and you the blessing of being his sheep. And he did die. He did die. Now, I have to say, every time I come across this passage, I have a hard time trying to understand why in the world a shepherd would give up his life for a stupid sheep. I mean, human being, sheep. I mean, so what is it? 50 bucks for a sheep? I don't know how much this sheep cost back then. You know? Why would a shepherd give up his life for a sheep? And, and I, boy, I just wrestled with this. And, and one day it was like, Wayne, I'm God. And I gave up my life for a creature. I'm willing to do it. I love you so much. It's not about a shepherd and a sheep. It's about me and you. I love you. You know, you need a Savior, and I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. So, why would he do that? Well, you're precious to him. You're not only God's gift (laughs) to his son as his sheep, but you're precious to him because he set the value by paying the price that was his precious blood.
The word precious is used sparingly in the Bible. It talks about the sun. It talks about the blood. It talks about you. We're precious. You're precious. You are his lamb. He holds you in his arms. I have to tell you, what I'm, I'm sharing with you now, God has allowed me to reveal to people, and it has been transformational in their understanding and of the love of Jesus Christ for them. The very first time this happened, Candy and I was in our youth group, and... <laughs> Sorry. So there was this young girl who is our, one of our student leaders, dynamic young woman, and uh, she got osteosarcoma. Um, she, bone cancer in her knee. Tremendous athlete. Three athlete, I mean star, you know, letter person, whatever they call them. And, you know, she was given a couple options. You know, chemo was not an option. She had to go through chemo. But as far as the leg went, the doctor said, well, we could either amputate your leg and we could fit you with a prosthesis and you probably could continue playing sports because she was in aggressive sports, volleyball, baseball, stuff like that, basketball. And, um, or we could save your leg, but you're not going to play sports anymore. So she decided to go with the leg. A 16-year-old girl, I'd go with the leg too, I think. Um, somewhere during her treatment, I, I wanted to go see her. I kind of wanted to let her and her family deal with stuff and call up her mom, could I come and visit? Yeah, and, and, and before I came, the Holy Spirit was like, Wayne, remember that sheep that you got from your friend in the toy business? I used to be in the toy business, just in case you don't know. Um, I want you to take it to Nora. I want you to tell her that she's my lamb. And I'm going to take care of her. So, this beautiful stife lamb that looked like the little image that I showed you with that little boy holding the lamb. I took it over to Nora, and it's like, Nora, you know, how you doing? She, and I didn't want to give up my lamb, so I told her, listen, while you're getting better and recovering, why don't you watch my lamb, and you can always give it back to me, right? Um, so she was like, oh, and I said, every time you look at this lamb, Nora, I want you to realize that this is the way Jesus sees you. It's his little lamb. And he died for you so that, that you could be his lamb and that he could be your shepherd. That's how much he loves you. And she took that lamb and she just held it to her breast and she said, oh, thank you, Mr. Kuna. I will, I will take care of this. I will, I will. And I'm like, whoa. Well, she got better. God miraculously healed her. Um, I never got my lamb back. <laughs> so I decided, you know, this was just too good. So I went and beanie babies were coming out. So I got all these little beanie baby lambs and, and uh, I started giving them out to people whose uh, husbands had left them, wives had left them. Kids who had been hurt by their parents. People who had lost children, uh, had hard pregnancies, um, people who got caught in sin, their sin found them out. And people were stunned 
by the truth of God's word about them being his sheep and, and Jesus being their shepherd. I mean, it was just like silent. There was just silence. Except for one guy. I had a black sheep. And his wife had been telling me that he's been kind of like, you know, slipping a little bit. So I thought, eh, maybe I'll give him the black sheep. He wasn't too happy about it. But um, all that to say is that um, I've probably given away 60 or 70 lambs. So much hurt. And yet such a good shepherd that would take that hurt to himself, to the cross, so that he can give his love to the hurting and bring his heavenly healing to them. And as people saw their heaven themselves in this little picture of a little lamb. In fact, I just bought two of these online because I didn't have any more. <laughs> I had a lady find out about this, and she gave me three bagfuls of lambs. That's how I had so many to give away. I said, you know, I don't, I'm not giving away, you know, enamel lambs. I'm just giving away soft, cute, plush, huggy lambs. She goes, that's all I have. And I said, okay, you know, and there she was, like three bagfuls. I felt like, you know, that lamb story, three bagfuls, whatever. But anyhow, um, let me sum this up, all right? Because of Jesus and what he's done, we have a singular belonging to Jesus. You belong to him. We have a singular obedience. There's only one voice that we listen to because he loves us. There's a singular refuge. There's not a lot of places. We don't have to go to a lot of different places to find safety. We go to one place to find safety. It's Jesus. And finally, there's only one shepherd that will die for you. In fact, did die for you to save you. So there's only one question left. Are you one of his sheep? I see a lot of ba 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 and heads. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, thanks. Yeah. That was spontaneous, by the way. Um, if you're saying yes, let me just ask you are you living like one of his sheep? Are you living like you belong exclusively to Jesus? Are you listening to his voice like you belong to Jesus? Do you run only to Jesus or is Jesus the last option? And then for the rest of you who didn't give me a Bob Bob and yes, what's wrong with you? <laughs> didn't anybody tell you about Jesus and his love for you? Listen to what this says. It says, to as many, to as, many as uh, uh, confess his name. To, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing it right now. Michael, you could do it. Aaron. Yeah to, as, yeah, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become glory, uh, to become children of God. But he says also, if you confess Jesus as Lord in your mouth and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Another place it says, you know, it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. God snatches you. And I have to say, I don't know how the sovereignty of God, who then chooses us, works with the, with the will of man, who then chooses Jesus. 
I don't know if I said that right theologically, but I don't know how that works, but it works. Okay? Come to Jesus. I want everybody to just bow your heads. We don't do this often here. Just please bow your heads. And if you know Jesus, you're part of his flock, I want you to pray for those who may not know him right now. Because the Lord Jesus says, today's the day of salvation. Today. And today happens to be today. So I want you to do business. I'm not the kind of person that gives a prayer. This is what I want you to do in your own words, if you've never done this before. I want you to agree with God that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Now I want you to uh, agree with God that he sent a Savior, and the Savior's name is Jesus. Now I want you to tell Jesus that uh, you would love to be forgiven because of what he has done for you to pay the price, the precious price. So that you could be forgiven. So that you could be redeemed. So that you could be ransomed. So that you can become one of his sheep and his flock. Now I want you to just thank him for dying for you. And believe everything that this passage of scripture has said about Jesus' love for you and his willingness to pay the price to make you his own. And then just say in your heart, Amen. If you've done that, I want you to tell somebody so that they can walk alongside of you and encourage you, bless you, and that you can bless them with the story that you can tell them about you becoming a Lamb of God, a person in the flock of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.